All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Max Lind, who is the general manager of 8020. Max, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, good. Thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate the uh, the invitation and the, the chance to, to chat with you. Yeah, I, I I appreciate you coming on. When I saw you launch, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so, I'm like, this is huge. This is literally the future, like a hundred percent. Um, and I'm, I'm just so stoked to talk to you. So uh, for the people that are listening, have no idea what we're talking about. So let's start with what you're working on. What is 8020? Yeah. So, um, you know, 8020 is, um, you know, it's a new kind of, uh, agency really when it comes down to it. Um, you know, we're, our premise is, you know, literally helping companies move faster without code. That that's fairly vague and high level, but the idea is, you know, we're we're really embracing this, uh, you know, the future of visual development and no code tools, and using that as a way to really provide a massive step change for small and medium sized businesses to, you know, build custom software and ultimately help them power their business. So there was this. Um, I don't necessarily want to call it a quote, but this thought in business. That is the the two ways you can compete on. I'm gonna screw this up. Ultimately, what you what no code enables people to do is build something that would have been really expensive and, and time uh, time consuming, and do that with less money and less time. So, like, what does that allow you to do with eighty twenty? Can you kind of share your approach and how you approach something that might be complicated for a typical dev agency, but maybe not as complicated for you? How do you approach a normal client? Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting. Obviously. It- our pitch about helping companies move faster without code is really, and actually the name 8020 itself um, just comes from the idea that using no code tools in, in a lot of ways, you can, you can ultimately, you know, get 80% of the way there with what you're wanting to build with 20% of the effort. And that could mean, you know, cost, you know, time, workload, uh, all that good stuff. Um, the, you know, the, the, I guess the, secret sauce or the productivity breakthrough that we kind of came to is just like this, this mentality of if you're building something, um, you know, for the longest time, there was this thought that you just, you just needed to build it custom. You needed to rely on having a full team of, of, you know, you know, designers and developers and you needed to build from scratch when really, you know, the, the idea of the, the no code movement, um, certainly it's existed, you know, much longer than, you know, kind of the recent wave, um, uh, so to speak, but, the uh, you know the, the the broader idea of being able to quite literally um, build something um, in a fraction of the time just comes from the, the you know the ability to uh, um, you know in some sense you know piece things together without without the need to uh, feel like you actually have to have custom software in the mix or um, developers that that are that are writing that custom software it it's interesting too because you know there. I feel like there's a, a debate currently on like how, how you actually define no code. And I, I think it actually means a lot of things to different people, but really it's, it's more so about um, what can you do without the need for code, which actually um, the, the folks at MakerPad, and maybe we'll get into this, but the, they, they kind of describe it that way is like um, focusing on the tools that can help you build things without the need for code, which is, which is ultimately like really what we're focusing on. So how do you position yourself to a potential client? So, 
what, what I'm so I guess for a little context for you. So I've I've had a, a few uh, no code uh, founder people tools on the show. I had Ben Tossalon, I had Jeremy from Adalo, Adalo, excuse me. So what I kind of want to focus on is not necessarily what is no code, how does it work, why, but like what I'm really intrigued in is like what like you're an agency that that is using no code tools, which unlocks so many different elements to the process. So I really want to dive into like how you're thinking about operating your agency. And the first thing that I want to dive into is I guess pricing um, because you could, you, the inputs are going to be less, but do you, you could do, but sorry, my question is, do you still charge based on value or do you position yourself? Like we're, we're less expensive because the inputs are less. Certainly a little bit of both. I, w- I would say, you know, we really rely on, um, well, maybe this is kind of two-part answer. One, we're, we're extremely transparent with um, the tools that we're using, um, you know, the, w- what's happening behind the scenes. We, I, I feel like it's just kind of part of our, our credo or culture or whatever you want to call it to, to really just, just share what we're ultimately building with. Because I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, for instance, if, you know, if we're building a website with Webflow, we want to communicate that to the client because ultimately we want to put the, you know, we want to give client the ability to edit that site in Webflow. So I, I say that because I think there's, um, and that's not necessarily wrong, but there's, there's certainly a number of agencies that kind of um, maybe hide some of those, uh, the tools that are being used behind the scenes because maybe they want to upcharge on, on, on some of the, the costs there. But so we're extremely transparent about what we use. Um, you know, and then on the flip side of that, in terms of pricing, you know, certainly it depends is the short answer, but you know, our, you know, our projects typically range between, you know, maybe 5,000 and 50,000. And that's, that's a pretty wide range, but the idea that, you know, maybe there used to be a time where, you know, you would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars building an app over three to six months and it was, you know, it, it might've been frustrating and expensive and slow. And ultimately what we're trying to do is just, you know, um, talk to clients that have an idea or, or maybe on the flip side, maybe have a problem and try to kind of like work backwards to figure out how we could maybe um, tackle that again, using these no code tools, but then in doing so, you know, quite literally chopping the, 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 the costs, um, you know, in, in half or more, let alone the time spent in half or more, because, um, at the end of the day too, our ideal client is really somebody that has an idea that's really excited about getting something out into the real world and, and, and testing it and iterating on it. And, um, you know, kind of this concept of building a, uh, an app or a product or, or whatever it might be, um, in a, um, like a good, better, best scenario, meaning, Hey, we can help you build something in like a matter of weeks and get it out the door with real world data and like, let you test it. And that, that's kind of like that good concept of the project and then over time we'll keep refining it and we'll we'll polish the design and maybe we'll we'll graduate to a new new code tool that like lets you do a little bit more with the app or the service so um really at the end of the day too beyond um the pricing sort of structure and the the speed which are are definitely um advantages you know that we kind of like to tout um i do feel like we're also very um I would describe it as be, as fluid, meaning we can adapt to the individual project and the individual company quite literally, you know, to act as an extension of their team or to fully take over and like really run a project um, where I think 
um, you know, maybe the disadvantage of some um, pre-existing, um, you know, quote unquote, traditional agencies kind of have their, you know, tried and true methods that, uh, that they like to stick to. I feel like our playbook, or especially right now is, again, it's very fluid. It's, it's like, you know, help, help us help you kind of thing. And let's figure this out together. And how do you know what tools to use over time? I mean, you have, I'm going to name a few. You got like Boundless, Bubble, and Adalo that all kind of do similar things. Um, so how do you evaluate tools? And secondly, how do you evaluate new tools coming on the market? Yeah, that is, it, it, it's, uh, the short answer is it's, you know, more difficult than it seems. It, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword really when it comes down to it. It's really exciting that, you know, you look at Product Hunt every single day and there's, there's a new shiny product that fits in, you know, fits in the no-code tool stack that you could potentially use, which is awesome. Like, I, I certainly wouldn't discredit that. But at the same time, um, we've been pretty, I guess we've been pretty prone to um, try to find our tools of choice, for, for lack of a better term. So we kind of like to think about um, going back to the sort of that good, better, best scenario. If somebody wanted to build, a, you know, a mobile app, but maybe had a tighter timeline or maybe a more limited budget. Um, we might choose, you know, like a, like a glide, you know, first as compared to a bubble, because maybe it, you know, it's quicker, you know, there, there's kind of some um, predetermined, you know, layouts and blocks for, for lack of a better term to kind of build something um, that where you're not feeling like you're building it from scratch. So, and I think that really also leans into the fact of, back to that that thought i i just mentioned about being fluid with our our um uh, approach in the sense that like certainly we're not going to use every single tool available but we do like to kind of have our tools of choice and then per each of those categories so again like website design and development or mobile apps or whatever it might be um having kind of the progression of um tools that kind of fit into that good better best uh, approach and Something that I have not found a tool for, um, granted, I haven't looked that hard, um, so I'm, I'm curious if you know, but APIs, other than Zapier, which is fantastic, um, it seems like like you're not able to use APIs like you can if you were a developer, like using the Twitter graph or things like that. Um, is this, are there tools that enable this, or you for, and if not, do you foresee tools being able to like do heavy API work? That is the last frontier, in my opinion, before it kind of really takes off um, and competes with truly with code. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because um, just a little context. So I, I would say part of our approach is really this idea of um, kind of breaking down our process between like design, um, design, uh, build, and connect. So that connect piece is, is really what you're talking about. It's like what, what's happening behind the scenes to make all this stuff work and talk to each other, which clearly where APIs come into, into play here. Um, funny enough, there's, um, and we're, we're just like quite literally starting to dabble into this, but um, there's a, a no-code tool called no-code API that um, ultimately you know, is, is, is allowing you to, to build third-party application APIs without the back end, um, which, which oddly enough is also kind of funny too. It's like, you know, how many layers um, of no code tools, building no code tools, can you get deep, you know, and it's, 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 it's a case of inception really at that, that point. But um, so yeah, so no code API is, is one, you know, there's certainly other um, workflow automation tools like uh, Parabola or Integromat, um, in addition to Zapier that, you know, they each kind of have their own little niche too. So, um, and, and again, kind of going back to that idea of 
it's it's hard to kind of from our standpoint, certainly as an agency, to kind of keep tabs on absolutely everything. But we have um, you know done some due diligence to make sure that um, not only are we having conversations with these companies about like, hey, what what can we do to make sure that we're um, doing our due diligence due diligence to learn the product, but in, but then also um, you know do enough so then when we do build uh, with these tools and then eventually hand it off to our client that our clients also feel empowered that they can use them as well. Certainly there's, there's some aspects there where, you know, the client ultimately came to us because they want to rely on us. But um, again, back to my point of like, you know, 80, 20 really being transparent about our, our process and our tools. Like we, we quite literally want to make sure that, that at the end of the day, the client knows they get, they get the full peek behind the curtain. Here's how the thing works. Here's why it works. Here's what's connected. Uh, and, um, hopefully over time, you know, really, um, if they want training them on, um, you know, making updates or, or, or tweaks over time. And what would you say are the, um, I don't know, where, where do you think the line, if I, if I had a, an app idea, um, and I always have ideas cause I'm a founder type. Luckily I have, a, I have an awesome job now and, and I'm doing this podcast, but one day, I'll actually want to make another one of my ideas happen. Um, how do I know whether to go, and let's say I have a good budget, hypothetically, let's say I have like a healthy budget. Is there a, like, is, can I go to you for practically anything um, outside of like doing machine learning stuff? Or is there a place for 80-20 and a place for traditional web development agency? Um, I guess, where's the line there? You know, it- it's funny. I would, and this certainly is probably obvious, being you know, being the <laughs> working at eighty twenty. But I, I would argue that it might make a lot of sense to start with somebody like us, just because the you know certainly from the aspects of um, you know being able to hopefully help you a lot quicker with a you know like a less expensive budget. But um, I think the uh, probably one of the most important pieces what. Okay, so a lot of people have ideas, which is incredible. That, that, that's great. But usually what happens is like you have that idea, you have that spark, and then fairly quickly it starts to fizzle pretty fast unless you like you build some momentum. And the momentum could be anything. It could be buying a domain name, starting to sketch a logo, like starting to write what your business is all about, how you think you might be able to make money, all that stuff. But in addition to that, um, like, quite literally being able to let, let's just say it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an app and and you, it's a very hyper localized version of Lyft for the city that you live in or something like the idea of coming to us, pitching the idea and saying, and giving us some parameters about again, like your, your budget or your timeline or, or, or what, whatever it may be us being able to like quite, I, I keep saying literally, but I do mean it quite literally putting that into your hands within, you know, weeks can just make sure that that, you know, that flame or that fizzle of, of excitement and inspiration just doesn't fade out. Cause I, you know, my background is in design. I, I feel like all designers and creatives kind of have this constant, you know, flame that, that, you know, kind of, kind of comes and goes over time with ideas of, of things that they want to do. And um, I, yeah, I, I'm just a big advocate of just making sure that you keep the momentum going so that you, so you build that snowball. And, and really that, that a lot for a lot of folks, that's where 80 to 20 comes into play is like, you come to us, we'll respond really quickly. We'll turn around, you know, like what, um, you know, the, the, the project might entail pretty quickly. We can, we can, we can jump in and, and basically help it as quick as you, as you want or, or need based on, um, ultimately like 
your incentive to want to push your idea. And are you trying to stay somewhat boutique or are you trying to have a little bit of a land grab as you're one of the first of yeah, doing this? Yeah. And you're also, in my opinion, one of the first in the, in at least my circle, which is tech and startups, which means you have a lot of room to run. So what's your plans, at least in the short term for this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the plan is a, a, a lot of things. I, and I sort of say it that way because part of it kind of depends on, you know, we've, we've been luckily by, um, you know, being part of the, the tiny network of families and, and, and being associated with some really great companies and, and getting some, that initial push and that wave of, of, of you know, a, a, after we launched, we, we've, my inbox is just completely chock full of, of um, folks with ideas, which is incredible. Like we, we love that. Um, so I, I guess my point there is, you know, I, I feel like we could go a number of ways, you know, we could really try to focus fully on the land grab and really go, um, you know, hot and heavy on that. I would say we're not as, you know, we're not as concerned about, um, you know, completely blocking everybody out. Cause really ultimately I, I would say more so at the end of the day there, you know, we certainly weren't the first, you know, agency or individual to kind of jump into the space to do this concept, but, and we certainly won't be the last, but hopefully us jumping into the pool just makes more waves and, um, you know, re really ultimately helps everybody kind of push, push the momentum of the no code movement along. Um, I, you know, certainly some of that comes through with, you know, me being, um, you know, from Iowa and the Midwest and this idea of like, everybody can get along and there, there's enough, you know, there's enough, um, you know, work to go around for everybody. Um, at the same time too, I, I, I do think, you know, we're clearly on the, you know, the, the, the agency or the client, side of things that, you know, as an agency, but, um, certainly there's already been a couple of projects that we've sort of pushed along already where we're like, you know, we're starting to really think like, Hey, maybe, maybe we could actually, you know, spin a, a, a product or two out of 80, 20, just simply by proxy of, you know, ideas that come in, that come into play based on, you know, projects that we're working on. So I, I think there's something else there too, that, that could be really interesting here. I, I don't want to call it like a startup studio, but you know, Certainly, anybody that's that's part of the no code movement and in the no code community um, understands this concept of you feel really powerful once you start learning these tools and the ins and outs and and how powerful that they can be that you do feel like you could be a you know a, a, a one person wrecking crew so to speak. Yeah, it's so powerful. But like I, I remember when I was starting to dabble dabble around with some no code tools, and it's just to, like the fact that you can build Uber. You can build Uber on your computer without a dev team. That's crazy. Right. Do you have a favorite? Um, like, I'm curious. Like in the 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 bubble, Adalo and Boundless and whatever ones I don't know of. Is there one that you have a preference for to build a full stack app? Um, if I wanted to dive into one um, and learn this myself, do you have a preference for one? Um, it's hard. I you know part of me is thinking like a parent and, and these are all my children. We, I can't pick a favorite, but um, <laughs> we, we certainly, you know, we certainly rely on Webflow pretty heavily. We're, we're very, you know, we're, we're huge fans of, of Webflow and what they're doing, not only like the product itself, but you know, the, the mission of the company and the culture of the company. I feel like we're, I actively, you know, pull a lot of things from, you know, what Vlad preaches, you know, at Webflow in terms of how they're growing and, and how they're treating their employees and, 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 and everything really. Um, so certainly Webflow's in the mix there. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of like more so, and I, I would say that's probably more so, you know, on like the, the website and the web app side of things. Um, in the mobile app space, um, 
we do have Adalos in the mix there. Um, you know, uh, like you said, like, uh, you know, Boundless would certainly be in the mix. Adalo or not Adalo, uh, Glide would be in the mix. Um, I, I do feel like, um, you know, DraftBit is another um, um, company that's kind of doing some interesting things. Bubble is another one. There's, I feel like the, uh, if there's ever sort of like a wild west currently for the, for the no code uh, space in mobile app development, I feel like it is uh, uh, the, you know, certainly a lot of people are doing a lot of interesting things, but I, I, I still feel like for us specifically, we haven't chosen a true winner. And that's certainly no discredit to anybody that's built apps already. Like, again, there's some, there's some really cool things. It's just, you know, really when it comes down to it, um, and really maybe this is a benefit more than anything is just the idea that uh, back to this whole good, better, best scenario is really um, based on the project that we're working on. We will totally switch gears and, and, and change apps just to fit that, that mold specifically in the mobile app space. But um, again, I shout out to the Webflow folks. I, I, I do feel like we lean on Webflow pretty heavily. You said something really interesting there that I wasn't aware of. Can you, so to my knowledge, Webflow is a great, uh, like probably the best tool for building good looking websites that also have CMS functionality. But are you, are you able to build an actual web app on Webflow? Um, Cause if you can, then holy shit, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I, it would be interesting to hear the perspective of what the Webflow folks would say. I mean, Certainly you can, obviously there's some caveats there still because, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, there might be, and actually th this is part of the interesting thing with the, you know, the, the broader no code movement too, is like really maybe what Webflow provides is a huge piece of the puzzle, but you might still rely on other apps to um, help you kind of fill in the blanks, you know, in terms of using Airtable, uh, you know, f f for a backend, or maybe you need to rely on like a member stack or something else for the sake of doing, um, you know, memberships, but, um, I know, and, and certainly Webflow is, has sort of talked about this more re recently on, on, on Twitter, for instance, but, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're like, they're, they're pretty excited and it's probably on their roadmap that they're wanting to get more into the, um, you know, the, the space of, of, of allowing their customers to truly build, you know, web apps, you know, how, like basically asking the question, you know, how, how do you visually declare logic and, and, and in doing so like build an actual, app app and not just a, you know, a front end website, which again, um, you know, I, the, all credit goes to that, to the folks over there and that team. I, I think they're, um, you know, because of their momentum, you know, especially in the last year and really starting up the no code conf and, and truly like helping folks ride this wave. I think they're also really good about really listening to the community community, of course, but also, um, uh, getting folks to understand the definition of what uh, the no code space means and in, in doing so clearly like, you know, this being able to build a, a, a true 100% web app fully in Webflow is, you know, a huge part of that. Yeah, I, I agree. When, when they announced their funding, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> it's on, it yeah. is on right here. Um, do, would you, do you think that, um, like what, no code is a industry that I have definitely like, I'm very good at, what I call the Watt stack. Actually, I'm going to pitch this. This is nothing to actually pitch, but I want your thoughts on this. So okay. I scaled at my last company, um, Publop, which was a, mark, a content marketing agency on what we call the Watt stack. Okay. The Watt stack was um, at the time, it, you know, we, this might be flipped out, uh, switched out, but at the time it was Weebly, Airtable, Typeform, and Zapier. 
and okay. we scaled to 25k just on that 25k a month and I, i've been debating making watts a thing so if you if you if you like that i give you i give you permission to run with it and replace weebly with webflow <laughs> and do whatever you want because i think it's brilliant <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I you, you know the the funny enough, I that's the kind of you know the, the irony, I guess, uh, uh, of some of this the the no code movement. Again, obviously, it's it, it's existed longer than you know just the last couple of years when you've really started seeing you know um, conversations really popping up on Twitter. But like to your point of like being able to swap tools in and out, this idea that certainly there's a lot of um, tools and services that are in the same verticals, kind of competing for the same customers. But I, I feel like at the same time, really, that's ultimately just pushing everybody forward. And, you know, when it comes down to it, everybody has their own little niches too, you know, like, um, you know, some folks actually still might like to use, you know, like a Weebly or a Squarespace or something over a, over a Webflow just by proxy of like how it works. But ultimately, that's great because it just gives everybody a choice. And really, when it comes down to it, choice, choice for the consumer and choice for, you know, us as an agency is great. So I want to shift the conversation slightly, if you're open to talking about it, to uh, tiny I actually know very little about Tiny. Um, I mean, I know what I can see on the internet, and I only, but I only recently found out about Tiny. Um, I don't know. Recent, I think actually, uh, with your with your launch is when I get kind of dove in. Um, can you talk about it? Like, what is it, and and how you got involved with it, and um, just to provide some context, I honestly don't know that much about it yet. Yeah, yeah, you know, so um, I, I I mentioned this previously, but you know, my, my background is in design. I, you know, I'm from Iowa. I, I worked at an agency in the past and, and did the, uh, the, you know, hands-on design thing for a while and, and print web uh, roles. But I got involved with tiny really, actually it was, it was pre tiny days. Um, you know, one of the founders, Andrew Wilkinson, um, he, um, bought a, uh, community called designer news, which still exists today. And I was a part of that community. And, um, when he bought it, you know, he just kind of put a post online saying, Hey, I, I'm, I, I, I just bought this. Um, I'm not going to change anything, but um, obviously want to keep this community, you know, running and growing. If you have any ideas, you know, certainly let me know. So I just as a, you know, uh, a, a participant that really liked the community, I sent him a really long email with just some ideas and said kudos and good luck and really didn't think anything of it. But um, he followed up and he said, hey, you know, um, would you be interested in trying to, um, you know, like make some of these ideas happen? And, and, the short answer was like, yeah, sure. And, you know, and at the time, again, being a designer, I, I of course, like kind of dabbled into some things that existed outside of the world of like hands-on design work. But um, I feel like I, I, you know, I'm, I'm also that person that's just naturally curious. So um, did my normal nine to five design job and then did some contract work for, for Andrew at designer news. And then that fast forward a couple months that turned into a full time job. And I, you know, started managing the community over there and then really, I was still in the design world, but shifted gears a little bit and got into more, you know, community management and business development and have it had needed to figure out how to start selling ads and, and making the business profitable. And um, so really like that was my first exposure to tiny before it was even officially tiny. Um, I think I'm, I can't remember the exact timetable there, but shortly after tiny officially became a thing and, and um, Andrew and, and Chris, the, the, the two managing partners, um, obviously have since, you know, started and bought and invested in what they describe, you know, as wonderful internet businesses. And, if, you know, if you look at the list of companies, certainly folks that are in the, um, the broader design space certainly know, you know, the name, you know, names like Dribble, for instance. Um, I, I was, I got a chance to work at Dribble for a little while and um, 
Yeah, really, you know, Tiny's big thing too is is just not being so worried about focusing on, you know, this this idea that in the venture world you gotta, you know, you gotta you got a 10 X, you know, you, you have to, you have to hit profit, you know, year over year, you just have to grow like a rocket ship. Um, you know, certainly there's nothing wrong with that to, to some extent, but Tiny's really about like, Hey, like steady growth, you know, great growth in a sense of relative to how you should be growing. You know, not everybody needs to do that, that, that 10 X thing, you know, year over year. So, um, just over the course of the years, they, they've invested in, in bought and, um, started some really great companies. Now I've clearly, you know, 8020 is part of the mix there. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, you know, I, they're, you, you can certainly read more on, um, tinycapital.com is the website, but you can certainly read more, but th- their approach is, is very, um, you know, it, it's anti Silicon Valley VC. And, and certainly that's probably discrediting, you know, some VCs in the Silicon Valley and, and beyond certainly. But, um, yeah, they're 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 pretty they're pretty darn um, simple with their approach, and oddly enough, you know, huge Berkshire Hathaway fans and Warren Buffett fans, and like that idea of investing something for the long term, which is which is really interesting, very cool. Yeah, you just look at the website, and of course, I see all the, all the companies, and I recognize tons of them, and then you see who they've invested with, in, in and they've invested in some great companies. And honestly, I pretty much look at this. I'm like, I want to be, I want to do this in, in 10 years, uh, not necessarily tiny, but like just you're pretty much, it kind of seems like when I see this website, they're just doing whatever the hell they want. They find something cool. They're like, let's buy it. They see a cool investor. Let's invest. You know, it's just, they're just killing it. it. It looks from my perspective. I don't know what it's like on the inside, but it looks very cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would say too, that, you know, um, Tiny as a whole has been pretty darn good about, um, I don't want to say like getting in early on in certain mediums or verticals, but I, I feel like, you know, Andrew and Chris are really good about realizing um, when things are probably really going to take off. So again, like this, this, this newer kind of no code movement that's happening, um, you know, um, you know, starting the the agency and, and investing in uh, the maker pad community and the member stack and, um, I feel like Tiny does a really good job about um, not just like hedging a ton of bets all over the place, but like really kind of doing their homework to invest in, um, again, like industries or verticals or whatever you want to call it that, um, you know, a lot of times are kind of on the cusp of like a, a pop or, 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 or a sudden increase in, in demand or, or in, in intensity or interest for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. And I think what's cool about the story is that it didn't like start, they didn't start with money. They started with like an agency and then they made a bunch off that. And then they're like, great, let's diversify and, 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 and grow something. So yeah. it's honestly pretty inspirational. It's cool that you're, that you're a part of it. Right. And you're not just a part of it. You're, I'm obviously biased, but you're part of the most exciting part of it, which is like the no code movement and, and what's going to happen here. Um, do you have any predictions for the no code movement? um where it go or just like tech development in in general uh what predictions do you have over the next five ten years yeah you know um oddly enough we, we we've had some some potential clients sort of ask the same question because you know uh, at the end of the day folks that um you know invest in in that could mean projects or just time or effort or energy whatever invest in um going this route, want to make sure that they're not, you know, stuck with something that's, you know, you know, it's like getting a laser disc and then realizing that laser disc is totally obsolete, you know, not so, not so long after, but, um, 
I, I honestly think, and, and, and certainly credit to, to Vlad for kind of uh, from Vlad from Webflow for kind of talking about this, but I honestly think that um, for as much as there's sort of this divide of like no code, you know, the no code movement versus folks that are like coders that are learning how to, you know, do things from scratch. Ultimately, the popularity or, or the, you know, increasing popularity of the no code movement really just, it's like this idea of, um, you know, all, you know, the water lifts all boats kind of things. So I do feel like, yes, we're going to see a lot more tools. Yes, we're going to see a lot more no code tools built from no code tools. But oddly enough, you know, the only way that happens is by, you know, folks that know how to code building those things. So it's, I, I feel like it's going to be kind of like a, a cyclical wave process of, um, um, you know, new tools coming into the foray. And then um, hopefully, ultimately, this conversation of like competing efforts kind of going away, but folks realizing that really at the end of the day, the more that no code gets popular, the more reliance we'll need for, for folks to code. And, you know, there, there's mass, obviously, clearly like massive companies that still need coders today. And that's just going to intensify over time. And how did you originally get into Actually, I'm not actually as interested. How, how did like, how did you get so here's the question? How did you get so good at no code that, that you kind of are able to start this? And then additionally, um, do you have a, a team of no coders? Is it just you? How do you evaluate if someone's good enough? Um, that was a lot of questions, but just curious about that whole realm. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in terms of getting into the space, um, you know, just by proxy of, of my background and obviously, you know, working at designer news and dribble, you know, certainly we were, we were using some of these tools there to, to build um, just things you know, at, at, at those businesses. So the idea has, has existed for a while. Um, you know, really the, the, the push comes from Andrew, certainly in terms of like actively wanting to make this a thing, you know, and then me kind of coming on to help, you know, steer the ship, so to speak. Um, so, you know, like I, I sort of describe myself as a generalist, you know, again, my background is in design, but ultimately, you know, my, my strength is the ability to kind of act as like this chameleon and connector of dots that can really just just help push things along. And, and, you know, if there's some things that I need to figure out on the fly, you know, I, you know, I, I, I certainly will. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, the, the, the push is, is really more so from, from the tiny folks in terms of um, really like getting 80, 20 into the fold. Um, I guess on top of that, to your question about the team, you know um, in the, you know, in the interim, we, we, we've kind of been leaning on this concept of like home team and an away team. And I say that kind of like broadly, because really when it comes down to it, you know, there's a lot of agencies that rely on folks that they that they hire full time and that they work exclusively on their own projects. And then there's, you know, there's some agencies that rely on you know maybe some third party contractors for the sake of helping um, build projects as well. So we're kind of doing a little bit of both. Um, we are actively hiring. I would say you know we're looking for for design folks that are. Um, I I keep describing it describing it as um, uh, we really want folks that are you know mid to senior senior level uh, you know web flow um, competent, but also, um, folks that are dabblers, meaning they're the folks that they like to browse product hunt and see what the latest and greatest is. And they like to try to play around with, you know, the, the Zapiers and the parabolas and the inter integromats of the world. Um, so we are actively hiring. Um, you know, I think ultimately what our team is going to look like is still a little, a little TBD just because, um, you know, it's, uh, 
it's just a little different than a, a you know than a traditional agency model in the sense that um, we our resourcing needs aren't as reliant on you know sticking five to ten people on a single project just because it's so big and it's going to take so long you know as compared to we might be able to have you know a small team we we, we could have you know six to ten people over the course of you know the next couple of years that ultimately seemingly do the work of 20 to 30, you know, who knows? I, that, that's certainly being a little optimistic, but um, you know, there's a lot of folks that would say that's, that's certainly not out of the picture when you're, you're kind of, kind of going the route that we're going. And kind of a question, let's say you said to join the team, ideally competent in Webflow and a tinkerer. Um, let's say someone is listening to this and let's say they're not necessarily trying to join your team, but they just want to break into an okay. They want to, they want to figure out how to build their own apps and build their own stuff. Do you have any suggestions on the best first couple places to start how to dive in? Yeah, you know, to be honest, um, I, I mentioned them already. And, and again, there are the tiny tiny had just invested in this company as well. But um, there's a there's a community called uh, MakerPad. Uh, MakerPad.co is the domain. There, um, the folks over there are really great. Brett, you know, Ben Tossel, you know, you know, started that community. And it, it, ultimately, what they're trying to do is just provide a training training ground of, of, of sorts for um you know folks that want to kind of do their own thing and i i think that's the interesting thing too with no code is really you know if, if you are you know a diy type person like you ultimately want to build because you want to you want to feel like it's it's truly your thing you absolutely can or maybe like over time you want to build your thing but then maybe you want to keep learning because you want to start your own agency that i would still say you know starting starting at somewhere like MakerPad is great. Um, you know, the other thing that's interesting too is um, there's there's a lot of these um, schools, maybe is, is a good term for them, but, but little schools or online training courses popping up too with um, that are in the, the no-code space that uh, are really focused on like you as an individual learning. So, um, you know, there, there's, uh, there's one called uh, No-Code MVP. There's, uh, there's another one called um, Visual Dev School. Um, you know, there's, a, there, there's some folks that really focus on like, um, the idea of like building something over a weekend that you, I, I think that's the really interesting thing too, is these companies or these, you know, organizations that have been started are simply started just because at some point in time, maybe those folks, um, the way that they learned was just kind of scraping forums and looking through Twitter. And then over time realizing that, Hey, like there's an idea here that, you know, uh, or a, a concept that needs to be fulfilled. So um, I'll, I'll start a thing and I'll use no code tools to build it and, and have it go from there. So um, there's certainly not a lack of, of options, I guess, in that regard. But um, yeah, I would say, you know, when, when, it, when, it, when in doubt, certainly start at MakerPad. Um, that, that's a great starting point because not only do they have a lot of tutorials and um, kind of workshops, but they also have a pretty broad set of, um, you know, just, just a directory of like, Hey, here's all the tools in the space for the most part. And here's all the categories. So if you want to just kind of start clicking around and learning, that's certainly probably the best place. And if you had to guess how, or when, when an industry starts, they kind of, kind of ish goes through like the S curve. Uh, and I feel like podcasting is, you know, in, in the growth and almost, you know, it's not anywhere close to stopping, but podcasting is a thing and it's, it's truly been a thing over the last two to three years. I feel like no code tools is a little earlier than podcasting and it's life cycle. I mean, I'm, do you have, if someone, if you wanted to get some context around 
where no code is in the life cycle. When do you think it'll, um, I don't know, where, where is it in its life cycle? How much bigger will it get? And uh, I guess my, my final question on this realm is, is where's 80-20 going to fit in, let's say, in a decade or two once it finishes the life cycle and it's permeated what it's going to permeate? Yeah, you know, as far as just no code and the movement, like where it's at in its life cycle, I I certainly feel like it's you know it's earlier on. You know, maybe it's um, it's in its uh, high school or college years. You know, things are really really <laughs> exciting. Hopefully, for 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 most and like there's um, and I and I say that more so because it, uh, thinking through the concept of like this idea of like, okay, after high school and college, then you're like into the real world. And what does that look like? I, there's certainly, you know, again, companies like, or products rather like, like Webflow that have graduated college or in the real world doing amazing things. So I, I, yeah, I would say it's still fairly early on, which is, is, is definitely exciting for, for, um, you know, an agency like us, because ultimately, um, and I, I alluded to this earlier too, but you know, the, the approach that we're taking now is really focused on, you know, the client services side of things in terms of just, let's just, let's just help other companies, you know, move faster without code. Whatever that actually means is, is certainly TBD based, you know, on a, on a per project basis. But, you know, in the next five to 10 years, as, as new no code tools come along and, and new opportunities come along, maybe, maybe we're able to kind of shift um, a bit from, from our agency model into something else. And like I said, maybe it, Maybe we become a startup studio of sorts, or maybe we ultimately figure out a way to to act as a, an extension of um, you know the bigger Fortune 500 companies teams to get them to realize like, hey, certainly don't like do not fire any of your engineers or folks that are actively working on code from scratch, but like let us take over some of the roles that they're working on that seems maybe more like busy work. Let us help automate some of that stuff with some no code tools, and then let them focus on the the more fun and exciting stuff that ultimately helps to power their business. So um, I, yeah, I, it's exciting to me, especially in, you know, uh, our, our team at 8020, just knowing that what we're doing today in, in the next year could certainly change over the next five years. But again, I, I think our approach of being fluid and, and being like open to um, truly adapting with the no code movement is really just, I guess, credit to, uh, I guess certainly the movement as a whole, but just, you know, some credit back to our approach and the idea of just not, not, not worrying so much about having a literal map of plans because, you know, there's a lot of folks that would tell you for as much as you plan, um, things are going to change, you know, change is constant kind of attitude. So we're, we're just, we're, we're here for the ride, riding the wave, so to speak, to some extent. Plans do not hold up in, <laughs> in this world. Yeah, <laughs> they really don't. I, what's the quote? Like God, like uh, people plan, God laughs. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, my last question for you is: you know, you have uh, you have something awesome going on, and uh, I'm a huge fan. Um, and uh, you got a lot of people listening who are also probably thinking it's very cool, and they might want to help you out, help you accomplish your goal, get to your vision, etc. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help you with what you're trying to do at 8020? Yeah. You know, um, certainly, I mean, selfishly, certainly reach out. Um, max at 8020.inc is my email. You know, if you have ideas that you want to run by us or you're curious about potentially joining the team or working on projects, you know, you know, you know, certainly let us know. I, 
I'm, I'm again, I, I've, I've said it a couple different times now. I'm from Iowa. I'm very adamant about like, um, being open and, and like this open door policy kind of thing. So, um, and you know, I, what I had mentioned earlier too, you know, I owe a lot of my career and the, you know, the, the, the chances of, that I've gotten just simply by me sending a random email that I didn't have any intent of turning into a job that eventually landed me in this role. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm very much, um, an advocate about, you know, um, trusting your gut and, you know, be nice to others and ultimately having this, this, this credo of like, you know, people are human. So treat them like that at the end of the day. Um, you know, cause it, sometimes it gets easy to forget that, uh, or, or, or sometimes it's, you sort of forget that, you know, you're behind a keyboard all day, just typing emails that there's, there's another human on the end, you know, the other end of that. But, um, yeah, you know, just in terms of like what, what your community can do, I would say just, just reach out, send, send us an email, send, you know, hit hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm Max Lind on Twitter as well, by the way. Um, we're, we're always interested to hear what folks are thinking about, whether that be projects or, or just, uh, tools that they're excited about. Cause again, from, from our standpoint, we're, we're just, we're quite literally a part of this community and, and, and excited to, to, to push it forward. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. You're doing awesome work. I'm a fan. Probably going to go into with some Webflow tutorials after this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so just appreciate it and keep it up. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it.